you know, we've seen here in the state of Michigan, if local governments, particularly local parties, whether it's a county party or, or, or whatever, if there's something that a lawmaker does that they don't like, you usually see a censure, a local censure from these smaller clusters within a, a bigger party. Well, imagine taking that all the way to a recall petition. Paperwork's now been filed with the Michigan Secretary of State office asking that Representative Donnie Steele, in her first term as a Michigan legislator, be recalled for her vote that she placed back in March in favor of House Bill 4139, which would have required safe storage of all firearms when not in use. (gasps) Gasp. How dare she? Now, explain to me why you would want you would want one less member of your caucus of your party gone for a vote that was not meaningless, but it was going to happen anyway. Explain that to me because I, I cannot figure it out. Maybe Representative Donnie Steele can. She joins us this afternoon on JR Afternoon. Representative, good to have you with us. I, I know that. That you have you have called this uh, destructive. Uh, you have you 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 continue to uh, maintain that this is a sad attempt to remove an elected official. Um, I I I I can't find answers for it, but maybe hopefully you can shine some light on it for us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks, Chris, for having me. I really appreciate it. To you know, there's always two sides to every story. So I, <laughs> if I have an opportunity to. Yeah, what's absolutely. What's your side? I'd love to hear it. Well, first of all, the safe storage is it's it's not only not in use, it's only when there's minors on the premises. So um, it's it's when 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 parents have guns and they leave the house, it's required that they put these guns in storage when they have minors at home. So if they're home. And they feel, you know, they feel that they want the guns out. They can have them out, provided that they're at home. So it's um, it's a little bit, you know, less restrictive than just having the safe storage. So, and and the whole recall effort. Um, I mean, technically, if it is comes to fruition, the the the, the ballot initiative would be in February and of uh, next year and. And I'm already going to be running next year anyways. And so I'll be on the ballot in August and then in the general election in um, November. So technically, I would be on the ballot February, um, August and November. So it's like if you don't want me there, you can vote me out in a couple months later without having to go through this big charade. Well, let me ask you this, because because I, I, I think the way that lawmakers work is on behalf of their constituency, on behalf of, of the people that you represent uh, in your communities. Did you hear from people in your community about this particular bill? Is this, was, was this something that they were in favor for, and did you act on that? Well, um, it's a, that's a good question, Chris, because I'm in um, what they peg as a purple district. You know, it's not blue and it's not red. And to be um, a representative of that district, you have to be, um, I don't know, I guess the word moderate, but, you know, con- you know, conservative fiscally, but, you know, um, open to what your people within your district say that they want.
want. So um, it's funny because I'm actually getting hit pieces from the Democrats. I believe it's the Democrats. They're saying that I didn't vote on the other package of bills like the universal gun law and, um, you know, the red flag. Mm -hmm. I voted no against those. So the Democrats are hitting me. You know, I had, there was a billboard on I-75 that I don't want to keep my children safe. Um, you two abs have already been run. And then on the Republican side, I'm not conservative enough. And so I'm being recalled. So being purple, I think I'm perfectly in the middle that I did a little bit of both based on using my own common sense based on how the laws were written and what is already in law right now. So I thought I did actually well. Yeah. Well, it's not something I understand, especially when you consider this is probably somebody from the Republican Party that is filing this. And and um, in, in a time when the Michigan Republican Party is in such and I'll use the word turmoil because everything is upside down. They can't seem to find the right path. Um, wanting to wanting to remove uh, a member of your own party from uh, uh, the minority in Lansing seems to be it just is backwards to me. And it's not something I'm I'm going to understand. Um, in the meantime, I want to c- catch up on a couple of other things, namely. Um, we talked a little bit uh, last week about the education budget that was passed and some of the the in my view, the pet projects that were put out um, to to school districts in this state, particularly represented by Democratic members of the majority in Lansing. Um, and it's ironic to me when we when we talk about equity, when we talk about equality and making sure that everybody, particularly kids in the state, have have access to to a, a, as good of an education as we can provide, I, I I was left a little dumbfounded why some schools were getting money for certain projects and others weren't. Is that something that you found answers to when you when these bills were being crafted? Well, it's 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 a it's a process that I was unfamiliar with. I'm from local government. I worked at Orient Township. I was the treasurer. When you did a budget, you worked on it six months. You invited the public. You had everybody you know give their um, why they need certain money from the different departments. But in Lansing, you have one party create the budget and and you have the House and the Senate and the executive branch. When they don't agree, they go to a conference committee behind closed doors for a month and then they come out with the budget and say, ta-da, here's the budget. And you have, uh, we literally had four hours to read a 1,600-page budget and vote on it. And we broke that down to about $52 million a page. So um, when you say crafted, even though I'm on appropriations, I had very, very, uh, almost actually zero say so in that budget. So I was all for infrastructure and roads. And I kept on advocating for the roads because that's what the people in my district have said, um, you know, good schools. And basically, I had really zero input, even though I'm on the budget committee, because it's completely bipartisan behind closed doors. And that well, and that takes me to my next question, because last month you introduced a couple of bills, uh, you and uh, Representative uh, Kuhn uh, put out a couple of bills on transparency. Would those bills uh, avoid this type of of work behind the scenes and, and bring it to the forefront? If passed. Well, yeah, yes, they had like um, in, in it's you know tie barred to each other the two bills, and it's just the name, um, the purpose, 
who sponsored them, what what subcommittee it went to, that that would have to be disclosed for for the, the spending. So yes, that was part of it. But the but to go back to your original question, Chris, about like who got favors and who didn't get favors, and the thing is, you know, we we represent the whole state. So, you know, why we would give a fire truck in Canton and not one in, you know, Bloomfield, I don't know. Why would you give a pool in East Point, but not one in Orion Township? So it's like, they should, this money should be back to the school budget, go to kids per pupil, not special favors per school, per specific sure. district. Sure. So, and, and, and I think, but, but some of the, and I believe some of those, those line items could be there. There they can be essential for learning, whether that's whether that's swimming, I know, or tracks or or whatever. Um, but the fact that that we're we are just doling it out almost without any rhyme or reason is is where I think I have the biggest time, uh, biggest problem with it. Uh, Representative Don, Representative Donnie Steele, I appreciate your time, uh, and uh, I, you know it's a it's a weird time in Lansing. It's a weird time for politics in this state. Uh, you just try to weather the storm as best as you can, I suppose. Thank you for the time. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Keeping strong here. Yeah, very good. All right, Representative Donnie Steele with us. Uh, coming up next, I, I'd love to hear from you. 800-859-0957. 800-859-0WJR. To me, I, I'm not quite sure why you've got Republicans in the state wanting to recall Republicans. I mean, if anything, you want you really should try to build off of the representatives you have there and not try to take them away. All right, got to take a break. More coming up next here on JR Afternoon. All right, in the meantime, you know, if we talk to so many different construction companies, builders here on WJR, because look, this this whole region is coming back. Big things are popping up left and right. But we don't really talk about how we get these jobs done, right? How they build these skyscrapers or arenas or whatever it is. Well, I got to tell you about Dynamic Tool Supply. I'm very excited. As a new partner of WJR, uh, or WJR Afternoons, they are a specialty fastener and tool supply company. They specialize in self-drilling tech screws for metal and building commercial roofing. And they also sell a wide variety of abrasives, anchors, cutoff wheels, drill bits, the whole nine. So if you're out on a job and you're running a little light on supplies, you got to give them a call. Dynamic Tool Supply. They got great customer service. It's what they pride themselves on. And they're a member of CAM, which is Michigan's largest and trusted group of construction companies. Plus, they'll deliver to your office, the job site, wherever it is. So you got to give them a call. Dynamic Tool Supply today, 734-237-4707, or visit them online at dynamictoolsupply.net. That's dynamictoolsupply.net. 